gentlemen, and welcome to the March 22nd, 2016 edition of Season 3 of The Court Report on the Nakam Siegel Network, the premier place to get all your sports news and information regarding the Yeshiva League. The Court Report comes to you every Tuesday night at 7 p.m., as well as an encore on Sunday night at 7 p.m. right here on the Nakam Siegel Network. Every week we'll take a look back and a look ahead at all things Yeshiva League. Thank you again to our amazing sponsor this entire year, Crown Trophy of Brooklyn. Crown Trophy of Brooklyn has been extremely busy over the last few weeks, although now that the winter championships are over, they have a little bit of a break if you need anything done, plaques, trophies, whatever. The Yeshiva League has trusted them for over a decade. Please give them a call, 718-769-4111 for all of your trophy and plaque needs. Again, I'm your host, Elliot Weiselberg, coach, official analyst. But most of all, like you, I am a huge Yeshiva League fan, and I am humbled and privileged to be able to share the amazing efforts and accomplishments of these kids with you each and every week. Hey again, everyone. Welcome back to the Court Report on the Nahum Siegel Network. I'm Elliot Weiselberg. It is March 22nd. And having finished up the hockey and basketball seasons with the final basketball championships happening this past weekend and last night, this is our final show of the season. This will be the end of our third season. We have done so much in the last three years, and I really hope that kids have gotten something out of the show. Kids have enjoyed this show and hearing hearing their accomplishments on the radio. This, that's the reason we do this. And uh, season three was really no different. There were a lot of great things that I got the chance to be involved with this year that the show got the chance to sort of put out there and really enhance and, and really shed light on. And I think that's great. I think that this the league made great strides in many areas, especially as it pertains to the kids. I love the fact that that more teams are broadcasting. I love the fact that kids are, are, are tuning in and sort of getting their voice out there so that one day they can be in the very seat that I am now. And I really hope that there comes a point where it's a self-sustaining show for the kids, that there are kids out there who say, you know what, I want to do a show like this. I want to I wanna be that host, and I, I want to get my voice out there. My start was kind of small, as I've said in the past. You know, I, I didn't have any experience coming into it when I first started on the JM and the AM Sports Update, and now here I am, probably about, I think it's five years later, and... I'm on the radio, people listening to me, it can be any one of you, just as long as you, you put your mind to it and you really put your voice out there and really not be afraid to go out and get it. But just, I want to talk about some of the things that really happened this year before we move on to the championship games, because I know everybody wants to know exactly what happened. So this weekend, Flatbush hosted the Flatbush Freezeout, an ice hockey tournament. Um, a lot of schools have been putting together ice hockey teams this year. It's going to be really interesting to see where it goes from here. Frisch, who has done phenomenal things out in the Jersey League, came and participated in this. It was Frisch. It was Flatbush. Chat Tannenbaum and a uh, a group, uh, sorry, a uh, like a club team from Aviator, sort of where this the event took place, uh, the Aviator Sports Complex in Brooklyn. Teams got together for a weekend. The three the three Jewish teams got together for the weekend in Flatbush. Got the chance to hang out with them. It was an amazing event. Uh, kudos to Eric Amkraut and kudos to 
all of the schools involved, and I really hope that schools sort of start taking, you know, taking the step into the deep end of the pool and start spreading out their athletic programs and do things that that really haven't been thought of in the past. I think it's a start of some really, really interesting times for the Yeshiva League, and I'm really looking forward to reporting them in the future. Uh, just a few things to note over the next couple of weeks for which we will not be on. I want to take a chance to mention the Esther Summelman All-Star Hockey Game uh, that happens every year. This year it will happen Sunday, April 10th in TABC. Uh, proceeds to benefit iShine. So give, please. Two games, and uh, it looks as if there's going to be a third. For the last two years, we've had JV and Varsity, but it looks as if this year they're going to be adding a middle school game. Uh, tune into the Jamie and the M Sports Report update for more of that as the weeks go on. Sorry, if you want to, you want more information. Semelman All Star Hockey. That's S E M M E L M A N A L L S T A R H O C K E Y at gmail.com. Or to sponsor, go to www.tabc.org backslash All Star Hockey. I would also be remiss if I didn't mention my own event coming up. In a couple of weeks, May 22nd, the 2016 Martin Weisleberg Memorial Hockey Tournament for junior high teams. Um, you can go to our website for more information on that. It will uh, be updated over the next week. The website is mwtournament.com. And uh, we're starting preparing for it as uh, as soon as I get off the air here. Benefits Hatsala, and we'll have eight of the top junior high teams. And we'll have a raffle. We'll have great prizes. I have a fantastic prize that we're going to release uh, over the next couple of weeks. We'll have pictures out on Facebook. Please do yourself a favor, buy some tickets, get into this. It's a great charity to give to. When you need it, they're there for you. Please do yourself a favor, give, give, give. Um, but let's bring it back now to the last week of Yeshiva League Sports. we got a lot to talk about, so let's jump right into our two basketball championships. It was deja vu at YU on Sunday at the Max Stern Athletic Center as the capacity crowd came in to see games that were very familiar to them over the last few years. Starting off with the JV Basketball Championship, West 2 SAR and West number 1 Fresh, the rematch of last year's JV Championship, but really could not have been any more of a different game. SAR came in having defeated undefeated DRS in the semifinals. Frisch, after having ran through Mag and David. In truth, if not for DRS, these probably would have been the two teams that you expected to be here. Again, in the regular season, as I've said over the last few weeks, these two faced off once, with Frisch winning by only four points. So you would have expected a close, tough battle. What we got was something completely different. Opening quarter of play from the Max Stern Athletic Center. SAR jumped out to a 9-5 lead with five points coming from Judah Oppenheimer, the hero of the semifinal game, with 138 left in the first. Frisch would go on a 7-0 run over the next minute and a half, starting with a Jack Stepner putback down low and ending with a Stepner three-pointer with four seconds left in the quarter, sandwiching a Noam Koritsky bucket to end the first with Frisch up three. Frisch would carry the lead into the middle stages of the second and extend it to 17-11, before Noah Gurren and Jack Schwalbe combined for six to tie up the game for SAR at 17-17, with 3.33 left before halftime. The next three and a half minutes would be Cougar domination. Stepner would take a long-range pass from Asaf Miller and lay it home, and then feed Judah Strolowitz for a bucket. Stevie Paul would hit a bucket, Miller would hit two free throws, and then again with four seconds left, Stepner, receiving an inbounds pass, drills the fadeaway 
fadeaway three, and before you blinked, Frisch was in command 28-17 at the end of two. Within the first three minutes of the third, Frisch had extended their lead to 17 at 39-22, but SAR would not go quietly, chipping away at the lead and bringing it down to nine at one point in the fourth at 54-45. But Frisch would go nine of 12 from the free throw line once SAR attempted to extend the game, and the Sting would watch the score slip back to double digits as the Frisch Cougars would repeat as JV champions by the score of 68-55. to Stepner, really the story today, as we'll talk about with Jay Aaron in a few minutes, 21 points and the game's clear MVP. This group will get to go into next year as juniors with a senior squad that they've already won with and consider themselves a favorite to be right back on the same page in a year from now. As for SAR, they follow the same track. They were in the same place last year and can be right back to where they were as a JV group and look to avenge both of these losses in one fell swoop. But that's in six months from now. We still have a bit of this year to deal with. Congrats to Coach Dovey Foreman and the Cougars on the undefeated season and the second straight championship. We'll talk a little more about this game in just a few minutes when we get to our interview with Jay Aaron. Right now, moving over to varsity basketball. Again, another case of deja vu. Uh, Flatbush and DRS squaring off the varsity championship. Again, as we've noted for the last few weeks, a rematch of the 2014 JV championship game. In this one, DRS, the overwhelming favorite, preseason Megan David champions, Cooper tournament champions, Satran champions, 14-0 regular season, two playoff wins, and last week, a Saracek tournament championship. Undefeated to this point, the only jewel missing from their crown, a Yeshiva League title, which would be win number 33 on the season. On the other side, this Cinderella squad, Flatbush, starting out the season with a loss to this DRS team, losing three of their first five games, having a pitiful Cooper tournament, before finally riding the ship, going eight of nine down the stretch to climb the ladder into second place in the East, to take a bye away from Hafter, defeat Hillel at home by three, then go into hostile territory as severe underdogs to the number two team in the nation, undefeated Heschel, and shock them by three. Could they do the unthinkable and slay one more giant on their road to the first Yeshiva League title since 2011? Well, it would take us five minutes to find out what kind of game we would really have on our hands. By the time the clock showed 3.52 remaining in the opening quarter, DRS had opened up an 11-2 lead with four different players putting up points for the Wildcats. Kevin Haddad would stop the 9-0 run for Flatbush with a lay-in off the glass, but the big green machine would not be stopped. DRS would finish the quarter on a 6-2 run, up 17-6, and all six players who logged minutes also logging points. Flatbush, desperate to get back into the game, turned to its big man in the second quarter, junior A.B. Rosau. Rosau would work his way to the free-throw line four times and drain all eight shots he took in the quarter for eight of Flatbush's ten points in the second, and ten of the sixteen scored in the first half. But again, DRS seemed to not notice, capitalizing on Flatbush's erratic shooting elsewhere on the floor, turning them into points the other way with Gabe Leifer, Yoav Deutsch, and Zev Benami spreading out the scoring load with 8, 7, and 6 in the first half, respectively. DRS would carry a 13-point lead into the locker room, and for Flatbush, a few stops in the opening minutes of the third and some conversions on their end, and this could easily be a game for them. Right off the opening inbounds, 
Deutsch goes the length of the floor, finds a lane, and lays the ball in to start what would be a four-minute stretch where DRS outscored Flatbush 11-5, with Deutsch, the hero and MVP of the championship game two years ago, tallying nine of his team-high 17 points in that, uh, you know, in that period, putting DRS up 19. Pfeiffer would provide for DRS the rest of the way, hitting for six more. Flatbush would score only 9 in the quarter alone, Rosau getting 4 of his game-high 18. Beginning the 4th with DRS almost doubling Flatbush at 49-25, to the end result, barring a miracle, a mere formality, it became a time for people to kind of reflect on the team that was on the floor and what it had accomplished this season. For the first time ever, a perfect season, 32-0 and and now th- a 33rd, with the final piece of the crowd and DRS winning the Yeshiva League Championship 63-34. to Fittingly, the MVP going to the most important piece of DRS's game this year, Gabriel Leifer, scoring 16 points and making life miserable around the hoop on the offensive and defensive end, easily reaching double digits in rebounds and getting exceptionally close to a triple-double with his assists as well. For the Wildcats, it's their second varsity championship in the last four seasons, having won back in 2013 as well. Congrats to Coach Abram Stein and all of DRS on their championship. Now, last year on this show, I sat down after the championships with Jay Aaron. Jay, a fellow NYU alum with an extensive skill set on the technical end of broadcasting, who also happens to have a keen eye for what happens on the court as well, having played hockey in high school and now donning the headset for Hafter in their live stream of their basketball games along with Ari Witkus. Jay and Ari were both on the call for both sets of championship games, the hockey and basketball, over the past two weeks, and I sat down with Jay right after the basketball games to get his take on the last games of the hockey and basketball seasons. So the games are over here at Yeshiva University. Frisch and DRS both winning the JV and Varsity Basketball Championships. I'm here with Jay Aaron, a member of the of the broadcast crew that broadcasted both of today's games. You can find, where can you find them, uh, Jay? Uh, just go to Livestream.com and search for Yeshiva Basketball Championship and it'll pop right up. Now, Jay, you were able to bear witness to not only the two championship games today, but also the two hockey championship games last with your second year of doing it. Obviously not the same kind of games, uh, the hockey games we are talking about last week, as we had last year for you guys, was it? Very different. I mean, low-scoring games, fluky goals. Certainly, if you were forecasting those games in advance, I don't think you could have drawn up either of those games the way they played out. Uh, I mean, if, maybe maybe you would have thought that the TABC halfway game would have been low scoring. You would have been right, but certainly it, it didn't go the way you would have thought. Let's take you back to the first game of the day that day. It was Frisch facing off against the DRS. Frisch, the, for the most of the season, the second-ranked team in the league, and uh, DRS, much if not all, is the number one-ranked team in the league. Did it really play out that way between the two teams? No, obviously, if you look at who won. I mean, DRS won the game in the end. Uh, to me, I think Frisch fell victim to the fact that they had been so good all year, um, never really had an issue with any games. I mean, they, they won games decidedly all year, and then they get to the championship, and they played against a very aggressive DRS team. Now, their coach, Yossi Sassone, who I've known uh, basically my entire life, we went to elementary school and uh, went to Frisch together, uh, is a very laid-back guy. That's his personality, and he kind of coaches the same way. Um, to me, that's where I thought, and I've spoken to a lot of people since the game, that's where I thought Frisch fell short. Uh, you're not sure how much of a difference it would have made, but uh, as they came out w- uh, losing in the third period. Uh, they were down a goal. Now, they did eventually score a goal and tie the game. 
Um, but even when they came out down a goal in the third period, they didn't raise their level of aggression in any way, uh, shape, or form. They never sent two guys to the corner, uh, which allowed DRS to basically calmly get the puck and clear it out and play their game. And then, uh, you know, it didn't. Frisch didn't really control the puck. They didn't control the possession, and in the end, they uh, they lost. Well, I think to that point, it 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 bears noting the difference in schedules and the difference in level of opponents that the two teams face. DRS had to go through arguably the toughest division in the league with Hafter, Hank, two of whom were ranked in the top five most of the year, as well as Rambam and Norshaw. Rambam, the, uh, the defending finalist. Norshaw, still an upstart team who made a good name for themselves within the first couple of weeks of the season. Frisch in their division, TABC and SAR were the next best. And for the most part, I, I think that Frisch, as you said, was sort of was sort of spoiled a bit by the fact that they yeah. that they didn't face as good competition. I don't want to say I don't want to say bad competition because they're absolutely not. Both of those were playoff teams, but in terms of the level of competition, it really wasn't even. And DRS was a bit more prepared for a championship game atmosphere than Frisch might have been. Right, and from everything you hear about Frisch, and you know, uh, I do uh, hail from New Jersey and uh, have a lot of uh, friends who have kids on that team. I mean, this is these are a bunch of guys who play ice hockey together. I mean, this is an incredibly talented group of guys um, who might have just been maybe maybe you want to say they overlooked their opponent on that day I'm not sure I mean you hate to say that about a team that uh, played so well remember this was an interesting game and we had a lot of these both teams came into the game undefeated Mm -hmm. so whoever won that game was going to have a perfect season Um, so you wonder if they overlooked their opponent that day I mean you know when you never lose and and this is why sometimes they say in, in any sport not I mean all the way up to the NBA you want to experience some losses early on. You want to get them out of the way. This is big in college basketball, too. Get the losses out of the way, college football also. Because then you know how to lose, and knowing how to lose helps you know how to win. And sometimes until you experience that loss, you get blindsided, and that might be what happened to uh, the much more talented Frisch last Sunday. I'm going to take a different route with it. For the most of the season, Frisch has faced teams that had allowed them to control and possess and really wear teams down deep in other teams' uh, defensive zones. They, they were known for having uh, three of the best uh, possession offensive talents in Maury Bauer, uh, Benji Feintuck, and Joe Trapp. And they really hadn't faced a defense that, that kept them on the move without getting the ball. And last week, um, the defense spearheaded by, by Aiden Englander, and Jason Shiavitz and the Goldberg brothers just kept the ball from them, kept them on the move without getting possession deep in DRS's zone, and they just never were had the chance to set up and wear DRS down. And that's the thing about Lawrence Middle School. You know, it's a great venue to host a championship game because it holds 400 people. Mm-hmm. It's not the best place in the world to play hockey. Uh, and we'll get to it in the varsity game. The walls there are way too lively. <laughs> Uh, for for a good hockey gym, uh, you know, I mean, we're sitting here right now. The folks can't see it at uh, at the home of the Maccabees at the Max Stern Center at Yeshiva University. I mean, this would be a great place to play hockey. A I would love size, if they could do it here. Yeah, I mean, a full. I mean, it's never going to happen, but uh, a full size college size court. Um, not only do you have the full size length at over 90 feet, but the width. I mean, the width of this thing to be able to pass cross court or cross floor, cross ice, whatever you want to call it, and floor hockey passes that you just don't have at Lawrence Middle School. And I think in both games, it the, the gym itself speeds up the game. Uh, you, you, basically, you have no time. I mean, there's no time to do anything. 
So in the end, Jake Weinstock scoring two goals in the third period. DRS going on to the 3-1 victory. Now let's turn to that varsity game that you just mentioned. Wow. Does it really, does it really show the quality of the game uh, in terms of the defensive end when you look at how the first three goals of that game were scored? You know, it's funny. You and I talked uh, over the week. Uh, I am a huge proponent of changing the net size in Yeshiva Hockey to five feet. Uh, I think the six-foot NHL roller hockey, ice hockey size would absolutely be too big for this league um but a lot of uh, you see a lot of the play and the goalies i mean you just it's just an eye test you look at the goalie standing in the goal and they take up so much room you think it would be impossible to score in this league and if you look at the regular uh, if you look at the even strength play in that game uh that is kind of what happened ryan gluck who's such a great goalie was in such good position for most of the games that he made saves just by virtue of being in position and not even moving. And then you look at the first three goals. Uh, TABC scored from half court, full court, and Hafter scored on a shot. And as we talked about the gym, that for those who didn't see it, you have to go back to Vimeo and look up this game. Basically, uh, uh, Bags Berger took a puck, almost full court, dumped it, it went over the goal, bounced off the wall, back off the goalie's helmet, and then behind him in the net. You you hate to see that. Shades of Hafter Frisch 2004 that sparked a, a, a Hafter comeback. Hafter down to uh, down to nothing. Sorry, they were down 2-1. Shot hit off the back wall. Hit Frisch going in the back. Rolled in, ties the game. That game goes to overtime. Hafter wins. That I mean, determines a game. You know, as a, as a former TABC player and Frisch announcer, I mean... I almost say that I'm glad TABC won in the sense that you would hate for uh, the first goal scored by Hafter, which might have been a game changer. You'd hate for them to win on a goal like You'd hate for the game to change in the way that they could win on a goal like that because TABC's goaltending was phenomenal last Sh- Sunday. Shua Balin played, played above par who the have, entire season. I mean, who of, course we call, who, of course, we call the Berlin Wall. He was so good uh, last Sunday... Um, listen, when you when you looked at the game on paper, what you expected was that Hafter would have the edge in goaltending. Uh, I mean, Ryan Gluck won the championship last year. He is the superior goaltender, but he did not have a good day uh, last week. I mean, the, the two goals that we talked about. Look, the third goal, when we saw it live, I felt like perfect goal. Goalie's never going to, you know, there are those goals where goalie's never going to stop it. As I watched it back over the week, I don't know that I felt the same way. <laughs> I think he could have had a play on it, taking away nothing from how good of a play it was by TABC to make two good passes, and then guy gets a wide-open shot from, from seven feet away, and he, and he scored. Fine. He might have been able to stop it. The first two goals were goals that, that Ryan Gluck is going to want back, and I, I, hope he can, I hope he doesn't lose too much sleep at night in Israel next year uh, thinking about those two goals. Well, let's go back to that game-winning goal, because I do want to talk about it. I want to talk about it from the other angle. Um, the pass from Levy to Noller, Noller to back in the end, Noller the second time this year, putting home a game winner against Hafter. Again, another 3-2 score. Uh, for I don't know how much of them you've, got, you've been able to see for the last four years, but ever since they were freshmen, the two of them were touted as having some of the best chemistry in the Yeshiva League for, uh, in, in vast recent memory. From what you saw last week, do you think that's come full circle? Absolutely, and here's what I'll say about that, and here's where I will uh, show my rooting allegiance. <laughs> uh, I am, uh, I've been friends with uh, the coach of, of TABC's JV, Norman Blumenthal, since I was born. Uh, I have been uh, very close with Mo Fuchs since I played for him, and then uh, we worked together as adults, so no question I have an allegiance there. 
TABC against anybody, the advantage in coaching is TABC. It's like the MTA days in Rabbi Schiller. Co- I mean, that was, that was the advantage. As a fellow coach, I completely admit that. <laughs> so you know that going in. When you watched last week's game, if you knew nothing and you just walked into the gym and watched these teams play the first time, TABC was running place. Mm-hmm. There, there was, you know, they the, have a set system. Right, uh, the, the, the knock, system. the knock on Yeshiva hockey is always like, ah, oh, it's dump and chase, run, miss. There's no style to it. There's Back to the '90s, the Schiller years. Right, that's always the the knock on Yeshiva hockey in general. But when you saw last week's game, man, I mean, TMC was running plays, and you saw all, you saw, I mean, a number of plays that that didn't go in. Just these great passing back and forth, uh, beautiful goals. And and yes, I, I mean, that is what you saw in that third goal to see two passes. Uh, into a goal in that gym is impressive on any level. Um, I thought he held the puck, again, in, in real time when these things play out, they seem so much slower than when you watch them back. I thought he might have held the puck a little bit too long before he shot it. Um, so if Gluck would have made that save, that certainly would have been my gut reaction, like he should have one-timed that. Uh, but listen, he stopped it for a fraction of a second, whatever it was, to settle it down and get off a good shot. It was a it was a beautiful goal, and let's talk about Lichter's goal. Uh, going back to the tying goal. Before wow, the game tying goal by Lichter, and and I had the opportunity we play uh, we play together in the Five Towns Men's League. I didn't realize he's only a junior now, so I've been I've been playing against him as a as a 15 year old sophomore. Um, showing showing my roots in that league, you realize he's been playing against us since he was a freshman, right? Which is which is unbelievable. Uh, his goal, he literally. Knocked the, pl- knocked the puck out of midair, uh, put it down, deked the guy, and then, <laughs> and then buried a beautiful uh, shot over the goalie's shoulder. I mean, what an individual effort to score a goal when your team's down and you're out of breath. You might have questioned a little bit of how um, Hafter used their lines in that game. They basically only used two lines. Uh, Mo Fuchs used the opportunity to get his third line on when it made sense. And listen, when you're winning, you can do that. Yeah. Um, but that's the thing. If you don't use that third line at all in any part of the game, when you're in crunch time and you need a goal, I mean, half those guys were dead. They uh, they had nothing left, and it's not a, it's not a knock on them. They played the whole game uh, in a tiny little gym where you're running back and forth like a chicken without your head on. So uh, TABC was the better team. They were the better coach team, and uh, they, uh, you know, you had a feeling they were going to win that game. Same question I asked with the JV, because the truth is, once again, we had a situation where we had the top two teams in the league, the two teams that everybody thought would get to Lawrence Middle School. Did the game play out that way? I think so. I think so. I think differently than the first game, because, uh, yes, 20 people on the street, they probably would have told you Frisch would have won the JV game. I think uh, Frisch came in, especially the Frisch faithful, very overconfident, not not in a negative way, just very confident in their team. Um, and so that game probably played out differently than you would have thought, maybe, even though they were ranked, <laughs> you know, you, yeah. you probably would have ranked them lower. I think they came with more confidence. TABC on, uh, it was just, you know, the one thing that Hafter had going for them blew up in their face, and that was their goalie. Right. Now let's move on to games that were, well, both that getting here was a little less than what was expected. Not the result, but so much getting here. Both of these, uh, both of these leagues, the JV and varsity basketball, sort of took a turn over the last two weeks in their in their semifinal contest. We're going to start off with JV, where you had surprised, not so much surprised entrant SAR because they were the second uh, seeded team in the in the JV West, but. Nobody really, I'm not sure the people gave him a, a chance going in against undefeated DRS last week and coming in here today. But uh, for 
for I guess for what good they, reason. Well, for what they, <laughs> I'm not gonna, I'm not sure for a good reason. The truth is the two the time that they played against Frisch during the regular season, they only lost by four. Right. So knowing what we know about today, let's actually get into that. We now know that Frisch uh, completely dominated that game. I think the score was it 68 to 50, 53, 50. Uh, yeah, and it was, you know what? It wasn't it wasn't even that close. Uh, you know, you had a JV final today where. Everything on paper. I'm sorry. Yeah, everything on paper seemed to play out today, which was that Frisch won the championship last year. They were bringing back a lot of the same players. Now it's it was a rematch, but SAR lost a lot of players. SAR was very sophomore heavy last year, and I remember part of what we were impressed by by Frisch's JV last year was that it was a lot of freshmen. Yep. And they came back today. They were just the more experienced team, the better composed team. They got the job done today. Um, I think the sad part of today's two games is that if you were looking for an exciting game, <laughs> you were in the wrong building. Right. You really thought the first game would have been the much more closer. Yeah. We, uh, Ari and I both said that, like, wow, you know, this game's really going to come down to it. And um, there was one point in the first half where I looked at Ari and I said, you know, if you weren't looking at the scoreboard, who would you say is winning? And so the answer was, was Frisch. I mean, Frisch completely Absolutely. outplayed SAR. But at the time, it was 17-16. SAR hit a foul shot and tied the game. So it, it's it, Frisch took a little while to build the lead, but the game never really seemed like uh, it was in SAR's hands. The impressive part about Frisch is, look out. These guys got twin. These guys got triple towers up front. Mm-hmm. There were more rejections. And I don't know if you were keeping this stat or, or if they had it in the book. More rejections today than I've ever seen on any Yeshiva basketball level, JV or varsity, before ever in my life. You, you know, and again, this goes back to game plan. Uh, coach Courtney, great coach. For SAR, but to to attempt to bring the ball inside on Frisch's big men today was a gigantic mistake. They're way too big. So just talking about one of those big men, Jack Stepner ended up being the MVP at 21 points. First quarter scores five points to end the first quarter of play to give Frisch a three-point lead. Then a huge three at the half to extend the margin to double digits. How key were both of those shots to Frisch really extending themselves this game? I take Frisch back a, a little further than that. With about a minute left, they had a six-point lead. There were 45 seconds left, and I said during the broadcast, I said SAR should look to hold the ball for one shot here because six points at halftime is not a big deal. What ended up happening, they lose the ball, then Frisch lost the ball, then SAR got it back. I mean, it was helter-skelter for 45 seconds, and what ended up in a phenomenal fadeaway three-pointer that Stepner knocked down to go from 8 to 11. Frisch going up into the locker room at 11 was game over and just to just to note that capped an 11-0 run right where the game as you said the game was tied at 17 and here it is now 28-17 how demoralizing had, must that have been for us it SAR? was huge I mean we said it it was so clear you know even to go from six to eight on two free throws on I think it was a it was a bad foul and went from six to eight mm-hmm. that was bad but the eight to eleven just made it insurmountable you know oftentimes we forget because everyone who I'm sure everyone who's listening to this watches a lot of professional sports. And you see an 11-point lead in the NBA, or even in college, and that's like, 11-point lead in the NBA is like nothing. You know, 11-point lead in the NBA can go away in 90 seconds. Um, when you're only scoring 30 points a game, you know, we talked about, uh, to fast forward to varsity, DRS won today's game by five more, uh, five fewer points than, than Flappers scored. scored. When you think about the numbers in terms of not just the deficit, but the total points, it's crazy. And uh, I think that's why the first game might have seemed closer at times than it really was. Because 11 points at halftime, listen, we've got to call the games and keep them, uh, <laughs> keep them exciting and you know, make it seem like the other team has a chance. But uh, they didn't. And big, big point for Frisch today. And you give them a lot of credit. I'm sure they work a lot on practice. Uh, free throws. 
Oh, absolutely. All Frisch down had the to, stretch. Yeah, all Frisch had to do down the stretch was make free throws, and they did, so the game never got close to the nine. Down, uh, you know, the fourth down quarter the was a foul fest, and they knocked down everything they needed to. SAR could not get close in the double digits in the fourth quarter. Absolutely. Or they tried. They, nine, was a, nine was a close one, they yeah. yeah, so Jack Stepner, MVP. Other people you might have put into consideration? No, not for MVP. Absolutely. I, I completely agree with that. But great team, great team effort, uh, great team defense. Great Step, team defense. Stepner stepped up in the semifinals when they needed him to against Mag and David, and here today as well, taking home the MVP, 21 points on the day. Again, Frisch repeating as JV champions. Moving on to, as you've already stated, DRS and Flatbush. I wow. don't know. I don't know if you. I don't know if you actually know this. Uh, I don't know if you or realize this because I know that that you guys didn't do the broadcast two years ago. Each of the games today were rematches of the last two successive JV Championship games. The last two. Wow. Okay, because we did last year, and those were the same. Right. Wow. That is that is interesting. Now, if you would have taken these two teams at the beginning of the year, after the Cooper tournament that each of them had, completely opposite directions, DRS winning, Flatbush having a terrible first day, and winding up all the way down in seventh. I don't know. I don't know. Actually, it was a terrible second day. The first day wasn't as great either. But I don't know that anybody coming out of Cooper would have said, "Yeah, Flatbush is going to be back in the championship." Yeah, I think the only surprise in today's game was that Flatbush was playing in it. Because <laughs> beyond that, uh, not many surprises. And and you're right. The, the playoffs were weird. Uh, listen, we do the home broadcast for Hafter. The fact that Hafter didn't even get picked for the Sarachek tournament because of some bad losses they had. TABC very notably towards the end of the season. Um, it changed the complexion of the playoffs a little bit, although you looked at teams like Frisch, who was very good, and and uh, and Hafter, who again didn't get in. But those teams are all in the same uh, in the same road that DRS went through. So um, what's interesting about Flatbush, if the league does the playoffs differently and everybody gets mixed in in a different way, I do think that there are many better teams than Flatbush. It's just that DRS played better teams than Flatbush. In the playoffs. Well, that's sort of the sort of the I can't say advantage, but that's sort of just the the lot you get picked. Flappers having to go into Heschel. Heschel was also undefeated. That was very surprising game. I don't yeah. think I don't think anybody would have said. And I, 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 I you mentioned Frisch, the ice hockey. Um, this past weekend, Flatbush had an ice hockey tournament, and I hung out with a lot of the Fra- the Flatbush and Frisch hockey guys, and I got the chance to speak to a bit of the administration. Honestly, nobody nobody was looking at them. No, they had a huge, they had a huge win in the semifinal. And look, they weren't going to beat DRS today. But um, I remember the championship that we won in '98, TABC hockey. We beat MTA in the semifinals. TABC had never won a championship before that. The championship game was the semifinal. Was beating right. MTA at MTA in their building. Um, the celebration after that game was far superior to when we actually beat Hafter uh, for the championship. And it was bordering on, uh-oh, let's not have a letdown. We ended up winning the game 5-4. So, you you know, Flatbush to get here, that was that was their big deal. Um, they were playing with house money against DRS today. And, and it just, um, we had Coach uh, Coach Steinmetz of, of the YU Maccabees in before the game. And he said very simply, to win today, Flatbush is going to have to hit 10 threes. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I didn't see a shooter capable of hitting 10 threes. On Flatbush today, that was part of their game plan. They shot a lot of three-pointers early, and they just weren't falling. Once you let DRS get a lead on you, forget it. It's over. They're so good. They're one of. The, I mean, a lot of what DRS does, and of course, uh, you know, the MVP 
went to the Gabe most, <laughs> yeah, Gabe Leifert, the most deserving player in the league to to win the Finals MVP. The things he does without the ball, and that kind of goes for the whole team. The way that they hold the ball when they're winning, and control the clock, and control the tempo, and the way that Leifert passes. He had 16 points, and you, and you felt like he scored four. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's like when when did he score 16 points? You know, I, th- I think you look at them. You look at their guard play. You look at the the, the three headed dragon that they have there: Jeremy Brody, Zev Banami, Yoav Deutsch. The three of them just they know how to pace the floor. They know how to spread the floor. Brody, the floor general, honestly, there there haven't been many like him. He's such an interesting player, and I'll tell you why. We've had uh, we've had a lot of opportunities to call DRS games over the last two years, just because of how many times they play against Hafter and the Saturn tournament that, that we call. Um, last year, Brody didn't even play. He was a backup player who was very shaky. His, uh, how good he has become this year at being the floor general, like you said, you know, controlling the ball, controlling the offense. He's such a surprising player. He, he clearly, I mean, he sits in the gym and practices dribbling a lot. Um, the way he goes through his legs and behind his back, effectively, not just for show. Um, I mean, he broke guys' ankles in the game like three or yeah, four times today. Crazy. Uh, he had the move of the Saturn tournament where he put went around the back on a guy at half court and then threw a behind-the-back pass. I mean, it was gorgeous. The plays erupted. So when you look at DRS, if you're coaching against DRS, you always assume or, or what your game plan is probably do two things. One, don't let Lifer beat us. Good luck. Which they which Floppers tried today. They right. put two on and him. Did and, well, and did well pretty well in the first quarter. And then the second thing is... Our guards better be better than their guards. Absolutely. <laughs> that, that's what you go. And today, they were unbelievable, uh, and I'm talking about DRS, in terms of their guard play. Ben Ami, to me, if you weren't going to give the MVP to Gabe Leifer, could have gone to Ben Ami, who knocked down three huge three-pointers at times when the game was close. I mean, listen, you're giving it to Leifer. The guy, you know, uh, you know, the, the team beats to his drum, but... Uh, Ben Ami hit some massive three-pointers. And and Brody, too. Brody, it wasn't just the ball handling today. Hit two big shots in the first quarter. I said to Ari, I said, if Brody's going to hit shots today, we should go home now in the first quarter because how are you supposed to defend a team that has guys doing everything? Judah Levine, great player, basically did nothing today. I think he hurt his knee mm-hmm. um, in, in the second half. I, he didn't even have to show it wasn't, up. It wasn't really necessary. Yeah, he didn't even have to show up today. Uh, that's, that's how much better DRS is, uh, you know, than, than Flatbush. I'm going to actually go a different route with that. Up until Gabe Leifer really went off at the end of the third quarter, I was thinking the MVP probably should have gone to Joab Deutsch. If you're asking about the difference between Flatbush coming out of the locker room, down 13, still within reach if they can reel off a bit at the beginning of the third quarter, Joab Deutsch comes out, knocks down nine points. Nine of his game-high 17, by the way. Uh, sorry, not game-high, uh, of DRS's high 17. Right. A.B. Rosa would have 18 uh, in the game. Uh, but nine, of, nine points coming out of that locker room to completely ice the game. No knock on Joab Deutsch. The one thing I'll say is Flatbush made it way too easy. Those were easy points. And it's, it's a knock on Still Fla- got to knock him down, it's, it's, it's a, I mean, he came out right after halftime. You say, all right, you got this big lead at halftime. You're coming out. DRS has the ball because they have the possession. Joab Deutsch takes a layup. Takes a layup, and that's when you, that's when you say. Full court, he he yeah, just took the ball, drove the entire length of the un, court, but an uncontested layup, and that's when you said, "All right, this game." I mean, if this game wasn't over already, it's, it's over already now. over. Yeah. Absolutely, um, and yeah, and you listen, you do have to convert. I, I don't know how many threes he had. He's a great knockdown uh, outside shooter too. Sadly, we're on the opposite side of the scores table, so we don't get the stats during the game. But um, I mean, yeah, you know what? It was a great team effort because Lifer, who was 
uh, everyone in the gym would say he was the MVP today. No question. Did it a, a lot of what he did to earn that MVP was off the ball. So great, great team effort. And what else can you say about DRS? The first perfect season in the history of Shiva basketball, first 32-0 and season, uh, they earned it. They deserved it. They were the better team today. Uh, and no. they were the better team in every game they played. No question. Like, what, what more? Let's go back to Gabe Leifert. A bit. What more can be written about, about the way Gabe Leifert has played this year? You know, last year, when he played in this very court, who, who brought DRS back into that game? It was Gabe Leifert. It's true. And, and what's interesting is you look at him, and, and the, the obvious comparison that you make is his good friend, uh, A.B. Perlau, who plays for Hafter. And Hafter last year, who had a great season, to me, A.B. Perlau had a better year last year than he did this year. Um, I think there's no question. I think that's in part to having a guard like... Having Michael like Weissman and, and, Jonathan and having Greenberg. Jonathan Greenberg around him. And um, that's what's interesting. That, to me, is the difference between A.B. and, and Gabe. You know, if they're going to have a dunk contest and you sit and score it, I mean, you want to you wanna have them have a three-point contest and see who's a better shooter, fine, I get all that. But um, what Gabe, Gabe Leifert does, he makes everyone around him better. Uh, he facilitates other people's play. Because you take Gabe Leifert off this team, they're no way playing in this game, and I don't even know if they're a 500 team. Because <laughs> he facilitates, look... You know, Ben Ami is a great knockdown shooter. Deutsch is a great knockdown shooter. But are they getting these opportunities? Are they getting wide open three? Because the, these guys, listen, I've seen them play a lot this year. These guys are shooting wide open shots. And you've got to knock them down. So I take nothing away from these guys knocking down shots. But it's, listen, it's very different when you have a guy who's getting double teamed every time he touches the ball. People have actually asked me all year, what, what makes Gabe Leifer so different than many of the other players, his size, age, that have come through the Yeshiva League? I think the the real difference is you don't really get players his height that can play anywhere from the two to the five, and yeah. legit play be be a six four six five big man playing on the perimeter where where the other team's big player really has to come out and guard you in space. Yeah, the floor. we had a, we had a, we were joking uh, in the second half. Life had a three pointer that he just missed, bounced out, and Ben Ami grabbed the rebound and said, "Oh, look at the role reversal," you know. Yeah. Um, he. What's interesting is it's it's uh, it's almost to your detriment to be a, a tall, good Jewish basketball player if you can't shoot a three pointer. <laughs> well, well, because what happens is from the time you're you're probably nine or ten years old, you are playing that five. Yep. Um, maybe you're lucky enough to play. You know, if Judah Levine's on your team, maybe you'll play the four. And you never learn. I think it's a very important distinction when you're playing with your back to the basket or your front to the basket. Because obviously, if you're a 1-2-3 guard, you learn to play facing the basket. And when you're pigeonholed as this 5, you know, you're always going to catch the ball with your back to the basket, um, you know, unless you're wide open for a layup or something else like that. It's, it's a different, it's a completely different mentality and approach to the game. And look, what's the reality? If you want to go play in college, you're 6-4, you're not a center. Yep. Uh, if you're going to play in a real college, you're a guard, and that's it. You know, maybe you're a small forward because you're you're big, but uh, you know that's what's beautiful about about Lifer's game is that he has that two through five. He's not a one. No. <laughs> uh, he doesn't. He, his ball handling is not that good, but he is a. You know, can if there's one thing we have to nitpick about, right. it would be, right? be his it would be his ball handling. Uh, but he can play two, three, four, five on on any team. You know, any day of the week and. And listen, if he doesn't end up at YU and wants to play basketball in college somewhere else, and uh, there have been some talks about that, then 
it, his skill set will certainly lend to him going and playing for another program and moving to the that two or three, probably a three. Just to just to your point about um, about the back and the front of the basket for those NBA fans out there, you can liken it to. Amari Stoudemire pre-Tyson Chandler and during Tyson Chandler's reign right. as, as a Nick uh, center. Right. Uh, the, the difference didn't go so well in the second yeah, part. Yeah, well, the second part obviously didn't. I'm going to take the opposite approach and now go to the Gabe Leifer this year, so to speak, of, of Flatbush, if you can really make the moniker, because it's kind of hard to label anybody that. And even though Flatbush really had the performance they did, A.B. Rosell. A.B. Rosell, the lone bright spot, scoring 18, and really, Seems I believe... like he scored every point they scored. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. He went perfect from the line today. Yes. He went perfect from the line, and that, that's great ice water in the veins, especially on the biggest stage here. Talk about his importance to Flatbush and what they need to do to get back here next year. Is he a senior? He's a, he's a junior. Oh, well, there you go. Well, there, there's your bright light. Um, look, the league is going to change a lot next year. Uh, you know, there are schools like... Uh, TABC, Frisch, um, SAR, SAR schools that you expect to be good every year just because really because they're academics, because of their standing in the Jewish world as a large school. They take a lot of students, and they get good athletes. Fine. DRS is not going to be this team next year. Um, for as I mean, listen, half they're probably underperformed for the season, and they're going to get worse next year. Don't let Ari hear you say that. <laughs> listen. Who, who, who is that coach? Yeah. Who, who is that JV coach that brought that up? <laughs> well, no, the, the truth is, if anything, they're going to get better from the yeah, JV no players question. coming up. I was up. kidding. I was kidding. Not, yeah. No, their, that's, JV, that's the their JV will be very good. They do have some year. very good so- They have some very good sophomores they're sending to the varsity who yep. will get some serious playing time next year. They had almost, uh, you know, they have uh, Michigan who's coming back who, who I mean, is going to get big minutes next year and barely even played this year. So that is going to be a very different looking team. Flatbush, <laughs> they got an, an anchor. To, to start to, to build their team around next year. This kid was great today. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was great. You, you know, didn't give up at any point, even though even though the game was far out of reach. That was, again, you want to knock one part of DRS's game today. Um, Flatbush had six points and then didn't hit a field goal for forever and scored, like, their next... Of their next eight points, they scored six of them on free throws. So that was, you know, that was one it thing. It like every, every other minute in the second quarter... Rosal was going to the line, hitting two. Yeah, Rosal and was going to the line, hitting two. He had eight. He he hit eight during that quarter alone. And I think it was eight do, of ten. I think they only scored ten points that quarter. They only scored ten points in the second. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, eight of them were on his free throws. Yeah, and what's and what's crazy about his game, you know, they were running they were running him through the they were running their offense through the high post with him, and I'm and I'm saying to Ari, I'm like, you know, they're not getting good shots here. These are these are these are low quality shots. Um, but then at the same time, I mean, you have to run your offense with that guy. Where, where else are you getting offense? They had some guys who took wild three-pointers, very, very weird releases. And I guess at this level you say, well, if it goes in, it goes in. But eh, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, Flatbush wasn't necessarily a live-by-the-three-die-by-the-three. They had to be today, though. They had to. In order to beat DRS, I think teams have figured out that if you're going to try to push it into the low post and you try to... And you try to make it a make a game of it against Levine and Ackerman and Leifer. You well, can get the ball going the other way. Yeah, line. and that's the thing. You know, we said that Judah Levine didn't have to show up at the gym today. Well, he didn't because you know Flappish did what they had to do, which was shoot threes. If they tried to take it inside, Levine would have had a much more uh, a much different Active role. Day. Yeah, a much different role in the game. Um, but listen, it, it didn't shake out that way because it could, you're not gonna beat 
DRS's biggest strength, which is their two monsters, and it allows Coach Stein to play this 3-2 defense where you could basically you could shut down points from the perimeter and shut down three-pointers because you have three guys up top, and you only need the two guys down low to defend the entire low block. I mean, it's what a team he had, what a team he was blessed with this year. And Ari and I talked about it, and it's it's uh, it's worth saying. Imagine if AB Perlau was still on this team because yeah. oh, well, when they won the JV, yeah, when they won the JV championship, he was, um, you know, and then of course he transferred to Hafter a year later. But wow, I mean, what a what a team, that, you know, uh, they would have been. But it's like I said to Ari, I mean, well, I, I, I don't know if you could take that shot because you don't know if Judah Levine pant fills out. You don't know. I mean, listen, you're talking about arguably, I mean, these are the two guys that represented the United States, uh, you know, in the Maccabee games. It it can't, you know, sometimes you say uh, too many stars on one team, but I, I don't know. <laughs> oh, no, I meant whether or not the team still looks the same. Right, no, I mean, I think it would look vastly different, but I, I think one thing that would look the same is the trophy they went home with today. Oh, no question. I think that the showcase that they put on for the last four years, this group, um was very indicative of the team that they are. They are what they've they are what their record says they are. They are undefeated and they've won every tournament they've played this year, starting with Mag and David and Cooper, going through the Saturn, Saracek, and now the Yeshiva League Championship. DRS taking home the varsity championship sixty three to thirty four. Jay, thank you so much for spending time with me. My absolute greatest pleasure. Can you please remind the folks where they can go back and watch this game and also the uh, JV and varsity hockey game, please? Yes. So uh, we'll start with hockey. It's a little bit more difficult. The hockey games, because of some internet issues that we had at Lawrence Middle School, were moved to Vimeo. So uh, if you go to Vimeo, v i m e o dot com, for those who aren't familiar with it, and just search the names of the teams. Search, uh, you know, uh, Frisch versus DRS and and uh, Yeshiva Hockey Championship. Those types of keywords and you'll find them and these games are on live stream the two games that were played today the basketball games live stream.com and then just search again for yeshiva championships basketball type the names of the schools uh, actually don't type names of the schools because you won't find it that way but type in uh, yeshiva basketball championships on live stream.com and it'll pop right up you could watch on the same live stream account that's uh, that the basketball games are on you could watch last year's games if you are so interested um, and, uh, and yeah, we'll be back next year, hopefully. Well, it's, it's, it's sad to think about. We have, we have one more championship game tomorrow night, the girls' championship, and then every gym, at least for, for this uh, winter season, is going to look like, well, the gym we're sitting in now. Empty. Empty. I'm yeah. gonna have to go. I'm gonna have to go play my own sports. What now. are we gonna do for the next six months? Jack? I'm gonna. I'm gonna have to. Pl- I'm gonna have to play an excessive amount of softball and hockey. Oh, well, I'll, over the summer, I'll, over the, s- the spring and summer, you'll be seeing more of me in terms of hockey because there'll be less of this. And I'm sad to see it go, but you know what? It's always next year. Uh, well, all good things must come to an end, and then you see what happens next year, right? We'll see you in 2017. Once again, you are listening to The Court Report on the Nachum Siegel Network. We are sponsored by Crown Trophy of Brooklyn. I'm your host, Elliot Weiselberg, taking you through the week in Yeshiva League sports. Big thank you again to Jay Aaron for sitting down with me for that recap of the last two championship weekends with the hockey happening last week and the basketball happening this past week. Before we move back over to hockey for the last bit of time, let's take a look at the two other girls' championships that were played this week. Unfortunately, we don't have much to go on for these games. The girls' JV final was last night, and there aren't any stats anywhere, but Frisch defeated Flatbush for the championship by the score of 43-26. to 
Flatbush actually led 14-11 to with three minutes left in the second quarter. Frisch rallied with some great defense and transition scoring to take a 20-15 to lead into the locker room. The Falcons, though, were able to rally back to within two to end the third, but in the final frame, the Cougars held Flatbush scoreless, running away to the 17-point victory. Congratulations once again to Frisch on their second school championship in two days. Also in Girls B, congratulations to SKA on yet another basketball championship. In a close battle, the Sonics defeated Breweria 32-28. Now, although we have a couple of minutes left of our show, I want to take a couple of minutes just to go back through hockey one last time. Uh, There are a couple of things this season that really stood out to me. I think one, and this was sort of discussed with Jay, was almost how chalk this season really went. You go back to the first rankings that we had at the very, very beginning of the season. You look at JV. Our top five at that point were DRS, Frisch, Hank, TABC, and Hafter. Of those teams, all four, uh, four of the five went to the semis. The top two went to the finals with the number one team winning out. The real issue wasn't really who so much was going to, to win at the top. There was a little bit of movement around the middle. Um, but for the most part, you really had a sense of who was going to be in that championship game, or at least fighting for it. I'm taking a look at the varsity, it was almost the same. I'm not going to say it was exactly the same, but if you had any inkling that it was going to be other than TABC or half during the championship game after you know, coming into the season, really you you were in for a disappointment. Those two were above and away the two best teams in the league. SAR made a run at it late. Rombaum, uh, with their with their exceptional play in the middle of the season, almost had a chance at it. Frisch had a shot at it. But the truth is, neither of those, none of those teams really seemed to come close to TABC and Hafter. And it was really the matchup that that everybody wanted to see, and everybody wanted to get out of the way. Just after four years of having talked about how these two classes were the top two classes, Hafter retooling in order for this one run with the massive uh, senior class that they that they had and sort of acquired back over from DRS. So this was really the matchup people wanted to see, and the question was, would TABC's talent, the team that won two JV championship games, be able to overcome uh, all that happened in TABC last year uh, in losing in the semifinals. Again, uh, another varsity team for another varsity hockey team for TABC losing in the semifinals. Would they be able to overcome all that and take out after? And the, and the truth is, they did. Uh, as as Jay and I spoke about, it was very much a. TABC's game to win, and whether or not Hafter would just be able to depend on Glock, and in the end, TABC's team, the team mentality that for four years this group has had, this exceptional senior class had, finally won out, got TABC the varsity championship. These leagues are going to have a drastically different outlook next year. JV is going to be a little more wide open. Varsity especially so. How will the the crew at SAR that had the the their sophomores playing on varsity fair as juniors, the team that won the JV championship last year, would Rambam will Rama be able to make a repeat appearance? How will Hafter do now that they have Daniel Lichter back there? Will DRS be able to retool? What about Frisch? Frisch has always been towards the top, and they'll get that core from the JV champ from the JV championship game team from this year. So 
there are a lot of questions going into next year, but the truth is next year is going to be a very interesting season hockey-wise, and you're not going to have the same foresight going in that the top two or three teams are going to finish out this way, and that this team is a lock to win the championship. So I'm really looking forward to next year. I just wanted to really make that note sort of before we go. Um, as it is, uh, a lot of the gripes this year from JV probably won't be around next year. The rumors of teams like Kushner coming back into the JV League will probably have them shifting the divisions back to where they were so we can get rid of that awful central division, which really throw through a... Uh, you know, a monkey wrench into a lot of what happened in the scheduling and the and the standings this season. We'll see what happens come next year, though. This season, all in all, even with that, the teams that deserve to be there made it in the end. So, although they had that hiccup in the way, the league can still point to that and say, hey, look, the teams you thought would be there were there. The only question is, would a couple of other teams who were on the back end had a shot to get in and make a different showing other than the teams that did get in and really fell flat in their efforts to knock off some of the teams at the top. That being said, the end of the winter season will also bring about the end of Season 3 of The Court Report. I want to give a thank you to many people who made this possible. I, I want to give a huge thank you again, of course, to Nachum, Nachum Siegel, for putting his faith in me, not only now, but also on the Tuesday morning sports report, which, as I mentioned this morning, will continue actually on through the spring season. I want to thank the entire crew of the Nachum Siegel Network, uh, Miriam Wallach of Rummy Finkelstein, uh, everybody, I just just a huge thank you for allowing me to be here talking about Yeshiva League sports just to enhance this experience for these kids who deserve every bit of it. Thank you so much. Just uh, a couple of notes on uh, on next year. I guess we're going to be working on a lot of things for next year, and I can't wait to get started. Production for that will begin shortly. There are a couple of meetings I'll be going into, and hopefully they'll come up with uh, some great ideas for you for Season 4 of The Court Report. But that's six months down the line. Again, you can, uh, you can follow along in the, in the spring sports by listening into the JM and the AM Sports Update every Tuesday morning at 7.20. Uh, but for now, uh, this, is, this is it, and it's a little bit bittersweet. Uh, you would figure that at this point you sort of, uh, sort of be happy for a little bit of rest, but I, I, I'm going to miss this. This is a part of my week that I really enjoy preparing for, despite the fact that it takes so long to prepare for a one-hour show, but I enjoy every minute of it. Um, but for this season, this this is really it, and I guess nothing more to look forward to but for the other side of the summer. Well, for the last time this year, if you missed any part of this or any episode this season, you can also catch the Encore presentation on Sunday night at 7 p.m., or you can find The Court Report on iTunes or the Nachum Siegel Network app. Tomorrow morning, jam the AM with Nachum Siegel from 6 to 9 a.m. live on the stream, NachumSiegel.com, or on your radio, 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM, the Catskills, 91.9 FM, Rockland County. Once again, a huge thank you to our sponsors this year, Crown Trophy of Brooklyn. Mike, you guys have been a rock for me. For the last three seasons, you have been the sponsors of this show. And everything that you get out of this, everything that Hashem sends your way, you absolutely deserve. Everything that you do for the Yeshiva League, everything you do for this show, 
it is above reproach. You guys are amazing, and I hope you continue to do amazing things for the Jewish world. For more of me, you can hear me every Tuesday morning on JM in the AM at around 7.20 with a Tuesday morning JM in the AM sports update. Again, yes, we are continuing it into the spring season. If you haven't visited the Court Report fan page on Facebook, please do so and click the like tab. Let's get that number up. This has been Elliot Weiselberg, and I will see you next season right here on the Court Report, only on the Nachum Siegel Network. Hi, this is Elliot Weiselberg, host of the Court Report. Stay tuned for more amazing musical selections and programming only on the Nachum Siegel Network. NachumSiegel.com